0: I am all for seeing history, things we've never seen before, thinking outside the box. But if the Guardians are aiming to become the first team to make the playoffs dropping two out of every three every series, I'm gonna express some skepticism. You are listening to the selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Fly ball. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable! A month in the books. I'm not going to get on here and spout some hyperbole. Is this the worst it could have been? Could things possibly get anywhere? Yeah, yeah. I'm seeing what's happening right now in Chicago. Things could get worse. Absolutely. Having said that, two games below 500 to wrap up the first month? I'm not saying too many glowing things unless it's about a certain pitching prospect or two. Zach, what do you think?
1: I feel like I said a week ago, and two weeks ago, and three weeks ago, that it was much easier to pinpoint what was wrong with the Guardians than what was right, even when the record was better than it is now. I think now we're seeing why. Because that stuff is still pestering them. It, it's it's weird. It's every little mistake they make comes at the worst possible time. Every decision that backfires is a decision that you notice, you know. There's no decision made in like the 5th inning that doesn't come back to haunt them. It's just it's weird. They're playing a weird style of baseball right now, and I'm caught in between trying to decide if Wait. they're just an average team, a blah team, or if it's all going to come together and this. they just have to get
0: through this rough stretch. I don't know. Where are you? Yeah, <laughs> you say it's a weird brand of baseball. I'll just say it's a bad brand of baseball. It's a not so fun brand of baseball, at least compared to the expectations we had. The Way this team played, getting reaching the postseason, raising our expectation level, it comes along with the territory. You now are expected to be better than a two game below 500 team through the first month of the season. Now, of course, we know it's long, lengthy, it's early. Get, let's get all that crap out of here, okay? Can we just have a conversation among friends? We all realize all, all of the little caveats and things, yes, all on the table. Whatever. But let's express what we're actually feeling in the moment. That's the whole reason why we do this show. We tell people we don't, we don't want to tell them how to feel, but we'll be honest with the way that we view things. If you want to join us on our side of the fence, or in some cases, ride the fence with Zach, cool, whatever. Oh. <laughs> but... <laughs> oh. Sorry, I've been holding that one. I was waiting for the opportune time to unload that one. If the team's not playing well, let's, let's, let's call it for what it is. They're not playing well. This is not the way that no. they, they left us believing that they could play. And despite the fact that maybe things do get better, maybe the offense does get more consistent, maybe superstar players do play more like star players, and the starting pitching is settled once guys are healthy and rookies are into the rotation consistently and guys that shouldn't be getting starts or innings are, are kicked to the curb, hey, fine. But let's talk about what's happening right now. And right now, I'm concerned with a team that's just not capable, this recent stretch would indicate, of playing very good baseball consistently.
1: Yeah, I, I think the reason why I'm struggling to evaluate and project is because it's so many little things that I think are just compounding. When you take Emmanuel Clase not quite being right, and you take James Karinchek not quite being right. And you take Mike Zanino not being able to like the one thing, little thing he can't do, I guess little. Doesn't seem little when it happens in a key situation, um, of, of blocking balls, and you take Ahmed Rosario struggling, but of course he has to be hitting in the two spot, and so it seems like anytime he hits into a double play, it's just a killer because has to.
0: Has it's happening to be. in the first
1: inning. It's just <laughs> it's you there's not one big obvious thing plaguing them it's a lot of little things and i think it's just it makes it difficult I, i don't know what i'm watching i mean i think if you just if you zoom out and you just said okay a weekend series at fenway you won friday night and it was like they played really well they pitched well they hit well they did a great job working pitch counts and um delivering key hits when they needed them. And Bieber looked great. Bullpen shut it down at the end. Done. Looked great. And then Sunday, like, they hung in there for a while, and then they just, it was just a game they lost. They lost, whatever. So one and one, and then the middle game, I mean, you had the lead in the 10th inning with your closer on the mound. I don't care, regardless of how Plesak pitched, regardless of how maybe you didn't cash in on some early opportunities, and then you roared back late. Like, basically what I'm saying is, like, that series in a vacuum... Wouldn't think much of it, right? You won one, you lost one, and then there's a coin flip game, and those coin flip games, you're just not winning right now. Not a big deal. The reason why this team is confounding to me is I can't get over the stretch they just went through. Because I thought they looked fine this weekend. I look at this weekend, I say, look, Bieber pitched great. Logan Allen, I thought, looked really good until just a BABIP, batshit BABIP inning. Um, And... Again, Saturday, the, the bat, bat offense was great dip. and you just, I don't know, little things. like Again, Classe is going to succumb to that stuff too. Even if he's not quite his sharpest, he's going to give up weird contact, whatever. But the fact that you looked lifeless against shitty team after shitty team for a two-week stretch there, that's where I'm like, I just don't quite know what we have. And I I think there needs to be some more turnover with the roster. There needs to be some different sort of decision-making and maybe then I can get a better grasp for what type of team this is, but like the schedule is not going to be forgiving to you either. So you sort of cornered yourself here into
0: really having to rise to the occasion early. Yeah. And it is the case with this team year after year, season after season, slow starts in the first month. But I thought you were a hundred percent correct when you said just because it happens every year, Doesn't mean you have to excuse it or say that it's cool. We always made the joke in 2017 when they weren't playing well. I heard it all the time. Well, there's no giant winning streak coming like they had in 2016 to right the ship. Little did we know it was actually (laughs) on the way. But you can't count on those things. And in the moment, I can't just say, oh, well, it's fine because every year they start slow. Well, that was every year up to this year. You certainly wouldn't have said, well, every year great these young players come up and have this great success like they do in 20... 20- no, because we hadn't seen what happened in 2022 to that point yet. And then they they accomplished what they did. They got hot down the stretch. They made the playoffs, raised all of our, our expectations for this team. So this is a new year. Just because those things happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen in the future. Yeah. I, and...
1: We can talk about the division. The division's not the goal. That's not the point. I said this the other day. I mean, it's... You can say, hey, at least they're in the Central. Good place to be. Like, yeah, that's fine. But that's not... Like, don't even bother looking at the AL Central standings until September 1st. Because that's... One, the goal isn't to win the division. The goal is to... At least advance farther than you did in the playoffs last year. I keep saying it, framing it this way. The goal is to enter the prime part of the season feeling like, you know what? It is possible that this could be the year they snap that 75 year drought. Certainly don't feel like that is the case at the moment, but because of that, like sure they could win 85 games and win the division and edge out the twins and get hot at the right time. But that's not, that can't be the formula. Not, not right now. So how, what is the path to getting there? I think that's what we keep coming back to and, You know Logan Allen on Sunday, I think, sort of shed some light on that where I don't think it's going to be Zach Plisak rounding into form and carrying you
0: to October, but maybe it's the kids. And they, they, they followed that formula very well last year, and I'm eager for more of it. More Logan Allen, yeah. Tanner Bybee, not running from that, he gets more opportunities. This team is in a position where they can't be worried about hurting people's feelings or even what somebody did up to this very point, is there somebody else that is earning it more than another person that's struggling? Then why are we even having this conversation? It shouldn't, there should be no debate. When Tanner Bybee pitches the way that he does in his first start, there should not be a single word uttered that, that tells you he should not get another start at the major league level. And if anybody says that, slap him in the face and shut him up. Because there's no argument against him getting another opportunity when other guys aren't performing or aren't healthy and the the chance for him to shine is there. So run with it. And I'm glad that he's stuck with the team and he's going to get another opportunity. That's great. We'll see what they do with the rest of this rotation as guys come back and get more healthy. But as I think as they laid the foundation for last year, it needs to continue. You get a chance And you earn more of them just by the way that you perform. And if somebody else is not performing, I don't care if it's Zach Plesak and he was expected to be a member of this rotation. And way back in 2020, he looked like he was on his way to being a mainstay. I don't care about that right now because right now, I look at his statistics, he's terrible. I look at his stuff, it's awful. You look at Stuff Plus, we were mentioning that on the Patreon show, worst on the team in Stuff Plus. Small sample size, whatever, but it just adds to the the list of things that I do not believe in at this very moment. So when the, the chance comes for somebody else to get an opportunity like Xavier Curry, that dude had to me has earned more of an opportunity because he's helped you out. So I think he should be starting a ball game here in the very near future. I think he has earned that and please act. Sorry. You, you want to get yourself back into good graces Then pitch better, pitch better. And you know what? Because of the nature of 162 games, If you're performing, you're going to get more chances. And who knows? You could be back in the rotation. And I'm speaking like he's already out of the rotation now. But it needs to be about earning the chances that you get and then continuously going to the guys that are doing the most with those chances. Yeah, so, I mean,
1: they can – well, let's do this. First of all, thank you for listening to the Selvia's Godcast and listening to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts and watching us on YouTube – Go subscribe to the Patreon show. That's where you can get the link to our Discord, which never stops. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, Tearing up. I've taught you well. (laughs) Uh, I have five questions for you. Do you have five answers for me? And you can act all surprised like you didn't know this was coming, but for the first time in (laughs)
0: six years, we did some show prep. Uh, You can say you did show prep, but sending me the questions is only half of the prep. I then have to open the text and read them and think about them. And I did. I opened it. I looked at them, but I didn't want to think too too much into it because I wanted my reactions to be more genuine. Mm. That's That's the way we like this show to be. Not too scripted
1: all right question one okay on the heels of what we were just talking about they can get a little uh creative might not be the right word but they have some flexibility here um with an off day thursday and with like 15 number five starters on the roster uh they can do a bunch of different things here As they assemble their rotation moving forward. Now, it'll be Cal Quantrill Monday in New York. It'll be Tanner Bybee versus Gary Cole Tuesday in New York. We'll get to that in a minute. And it'll be Shane Bieber on Wednesday in New York. Thursday's an off day. So, what do they do after that? I would think Logan Allen will pitch Friday or Saturday, but they'll need someone else um, later on in the homestand. What are you doing? Are you sticking with police action? or sure didn't sound like it after you just treated him like you were a disappointed father? Um, you going with Curry? Battenfield get another chance? Who's going to the bullpen? Who's going to Columbus?
0: Who's just going? <laughs> well, I wanted to give, and, and we did. We gave Battenfield love, and he deserved it when he first appeared. Things did not go so well in Boston for him. He's not really in the conversation to me other than what they needed him to do. And that game was just soak up some innings to keep the team on track for, for the what, what lies ahead. <laughs> when you're going to New York, you're already thinking about what what's my pitching plan going to look like. So that I don't think anything beyond more than that. I do believe Xavier Curry has earned a, a chance to start, don't you? Is that a crazy thought, that he should start a game? no.
1: Uh, he's probably the best option. I mean, I'm I'm kind of biding my time for Gavin Williams, and I hate to always be looking down below. But I, I I'm just he's the next guy. Like I can't ever and whenever he's starting yeah. for Columbus, like I gotta watch every pitch. I gotta <laughs> pull up Baseball Savant and see what the velocity's at, and I'm just counting down. I mean, Bybee yeah. was in Columbus for five minutes. Allen's already been there two minutes. Yeah. Or yeah. Williams.
0: It's not, it's not going to take much. What, what, two or three starts might be it? And then you might be saying, yeah, that, that's it. That's all I need to see. Okay, the way that I was thinking about this question is let's let's put everyone into a, a tier or a bucket here. Bieber, obviously, you're not touching that. He's, he is what he is. Logan Allen has now emerged into going to stay right where he is territory. And right now, until something suggests otherwise, Tanner Bybee is in that mold for me now. So those three, you're set. Let's move on. Where do you put Curry and Plisak in that tier? That's That was what I was trying to think. Do you rank just based on a few innings here and there, Curry above, Plesak? Are Are they willing to... Based on this this real rough start for him to the season, put Plesak somewhere else? Do they worry, how does he handle a move like that? Does it matter? Things are all things I'm considering. It's also tough to make too many moves based on, well, this guy should be back here, and let's hold off on that until they're actually back. Until we're actually, you know, I can't be thinking about, well, where does Tristan slide in Mm -hmm. here? Where does Savali slide in here? Well, to me, they're not even part of this mix yet, so.
1: No, I mean, McKenzie, like, they said, the team said, and I, believe me, I know nobody, everyone thinks that their team's medical staff stinks. The guardians will tell you that they think their medical staff is a competitive advantage. I I know not. I mean, I like I failed at dissecting a worm in biology freshman year of high school. Okay, so I like I I am not one to Mm, provide commentary on this. Okay, but I will say, like Tristan McKenzie, they said when they were analyzing this, before they put him on the 60-day injured list, they said the target date for him would have been like May 26th. And by putting him on the 60-day injured list, he's now eligible to come off May 29th. I know nothing. He's already throwing bullpens, and he's been around the team every day on every road trip. He has been playing basketball on the mini hoop in the corner of the clubhouse for lots of money and losing to Miles Straw. And is just constantly like, I mean, you know him, like his goofy happy, go lucky self, always in a great mood, always has so much energy and just like wants to be active. And he just, he is, he looks like the least injured player on the injured list I've ever seen. Aside from, was it Cody Anderson who said they told me my back hurts. So my back hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um So point is, I would think, and I don't know, and, and they're not going to lay out the full timeline yet, but you know you, how it works is you throw bullpens, you throw more and more pitches, and then you go start a rehab assignment, and you throw two innings, and then you throw three yeah. innings, and then you throw five innings, and then, and then you're back. I would think he would be back, if not on Memorial Day, then very soon after. And I'm not trying to... Um, Hammy had a weird comment on the radio over the weekend saying like the media has been asking nonstop about tristan mckenzie and folks tristan mckenzie's not coming back for at least a month I really don't think we've asked very much more than any normal injured player just trying to get updates on his progress but point is like i agree with you like when these guys are back you'll fit them in and you'll figure it out but I do think just because this has been like a revolving door at the back of the rotation and you had Gaddis, and you had Battenfield and Plesak and maybe Curry now, there is an end in sight. There is a light at the end of the tunnel and you have to keep in mind because if you go to Curry and then Curry just implodes two starts in a row or three starts in a row, are you going to go right back to Plesak? Are you going to go to Battenfield? Like, I don't know. But the good thing is does, you can make a matter? decision like that you can make a decision like that now knowing, I think, Tristan's probably only four yeah. weeks away. And because you can skip the fifth spot in the rotation this coming week, you're really only looking for three, four starts out of somebody. So it's not that big of a deal.
0: Yeah, I'm not worried about, oh, what is it going to do to this guy's development? or No, Curry, Plisak, Gadot, n- none of those guys. I'm like, oh, my God. What's the best for getting the most out of them three years? No. Who's going to help me win a game? And I have more faith in Xavier Curry helping me win a game right now than I do Zach Plesak. And maybe a kick to the bullpen would be fantastic for him. Maybe it would allow him to focus on the things that he does well. Maybe he sticks there. Hell, we were theorizing that that was going to be his landing spot way back in 2019, were we not? So maybe it's a natural thing with him. Or maybe he goes all Carlos Carrasco on everybody, rediscovers himself, finds something within himself and comes back and pitches like he did for parts of 2020. Could be. But he's going to have to earn his way back into those good graces. To me, that's that's the way I feel about it. It's the same way this whole team, you could look at this entire team. I I have a prove it sort of of attitude toward this team because there's just so much that was unproven going into this season. We, were, we felt good about certain things, but when anyone would say, well, what's the, the outlook for this team? And I would say, I don't know. There's just so many different ways this can go when you're talking about guys that don't have super long track records. Well, act does, and what has the majority of his track records suggested to us? More of a, got him continue to give this guy opportunities? Or make him earn it. Again, I'm not saying DFA him. I'm not saying get rid of him forever. But make him earn his way back in. I mean, this is not
1: on our list of questions here, but I I feel the same way about right field. I think we're at the point in the season, I, I even said this maybe two weeks ago, ride the hot hand. And I know neither hand is hot, but Brennan's... Closer to lukewarm than Oscar Gonzalez is, I would just let him go because I think you have to give somebody consistent at bats, one of those guys to so that they can prove that they're gonna take it and run with it or not. And I just Gonzalez's profile is just not working right now. And I understand the power threat, and I understand. I mean, you you could throw him in there against certain lefties, fine. But I, I really think Brennan needs the bulk of the playing time out there because this lineup right now, like yes, power's an issue. They've gotta find ways to hit for more power eventually. And maybe you address that in July too. But first, just get guys hitting. Get guys who can hit. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I mean I wrote it on Friday. Gonzalez's chase rate last year, first percentile. What was if you asked him or anybody, all the coaches or anything, all offseason all spring training, what's like one metric he needs to improve? That's it. Guess where he's at?
0: First percentile. More than anyone, I think that dude could use some success, could use a confidence boost. And I don't I don't want to give up on someone like that. We said that on, on Patreon. I think the best of what Oscar Gonzalez can bring. Beats the best of maybe what Will Brennan can bring. But the wild fluctuations in the in between. Brennan's like sitting here closer to the middle of the spectrum at all times. Gonzalez is like way riding that that wild roller coaster. But I mean, I, I don't see a guy that is doing a lot of things drastically different. There are some things in his approach that could be better. But I think he's just not swinging it with authority and confidence. I'm sure there are times where he's stuck in between. And if you're going to tell me the best thing for, to, to get him back to being 2022 Oscar Gonzalez is a trip to triple A to go beat up on some four, a pitching. I'll listen to that. Mm. I'll listen to that, but I agree with you commit to somebody and and just give them a runway into some consistent playing time. So somebody can get into something that resembles a, a routine of some sort like Brennan he hits the home run and then he's not in the lineup the next day I get it and I know who you're facing but be nice to just get somebody some momentum going here anyway let's go to question number two question two who's stock we didn't answer question one by the way what do we do (laughs) I don't think you're gonna answer any of these (laughs) whose stock (laughs) are you buying more of in 2023 do you know how stocks work I've been informed. I think you have more of a background in this, don't you? Tell me about all no, of the really. things you were successful in. I do have an economics college. degree
1: somewhere. Here it is. Laying down. Logan Allen or Tanner Bybee?
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Logan Allen. Because he was a tough choice. Because I just watched him pitch. It's the freshest thing in my mind. If you would have asked me after their most recent turn through the rotation, it would have been Bybee because I just watched that guy. No, I, I wonder with a guy like Bybee, he had to get significantly better in it from a skills department, throwing harder, really had to stretch that development to get to the major league level. Uh, not even saying that he wouldn't have reached it before, but to be someone that's a top prospect, really had to develop his skills. So I wonder... How close is he to his ceiling already? Has he maximized all yeah. that he can be? And with Logan Allen, does he have more of a, a ceiling to get to? I, I don't know. Are my kids killing each other? Also, I don't know. You have that to look forward to. So I'm going I'm to go with Logan Allen. And, and the early readout on their stuff, the, Logan Allen has gotten a little bit better results in just early stuff. But We are having the conversation... Doesn't Logan Allen already exhibit veteran lefty energy? Doesn't he already... Mm-hmm. He, just, he just has... Whatever that is, he has that. Poise.
1: Some... A little bit of, like, fearlessness. Like, he doesn't seem bothered if maybe a pitch doesn't go his way, if someone bloops something in. and uh, Yeah, there's... It's just like a it's like comforting to watch it's like you want that guy <laughs> yeah. you want that guy driving the car that you're in through a blizzard
0: like you feel safe with him at the wheel <laughs> um, did you see his reaction to the the blooper down the left field line it was almost like a well that'll happen kind of a reaction yeah. compared to please sack please god this has just been a beat up please sack episode I kind of feel bad about that, but whatever. It's all Every good. time he gives like he gives up hard contact, it's like, what was I supposed to do? And it's it's hardly ever like it looks like. Yeah, I made a bad pitch there. It's always like the world is crumbling around him, as opposed to Logan Allen, who's just like, all right, well that sucks. On to the next thing. So you went with Allen. I'm going Allen.
1: I don't know that, that sweeper is nasty, by the way. Um, yeah. Him, yeah. So, so, what you described, I sort of feel the opposite. I feel like like Allen is the safe. He's the higher floor, maybe the safer bet. But Bybee is so intriguing, and again, this is the tiniest of sample sizes. And Bybee's going to go from facing the Rockies at home in Cleveland in front of a small gathering to Yankee Stadium against Gerrit <laughs> Now, I don't know that he'll have Judge in the lineup. But might have Jake standing, Bowers.
0: Right? He just got hurt. He didn't he crash into the wall or something? But it's a little bit of a different circumstance. Thank goodness. But I, the,
1: the, Bybee didn't have any fastball command the other day. So I, I'm just so intrigued as to what he looks like when everything's clicking on a certain day. His slider, also super nasty. Uh, the changeup. I mean, that's like both guys are just, they're exactly what you want when you're leaning on a rookie pitcher. Neither seem phased yeah. by the moment, the situation. Both have things they can rely on when maybe something's a little off. Um, I you know what? This is maybe under the radar, credit to Cam Gallagher, who has sort of guided sure. these kids. Um, I think done a really good job of it. But I I will I'll just disagree with you to disagree with you. I'll go by. I think the ceiling, just like the pure... I know where Alan ranks and Stuff Plus and whatnot, but I think... I feel like there's more with Bybee. I feel like... No, it's fair. I feel like Alan's going to be steady. I feel like Bybee could have some starts
0: where it's just bananas. I don't know. And maybe I'm totally wrong. I barely know these kids. And there's something about Alan that I think how good he is isn't fully captured by when you watch him. That... But- if you actually look at the stuff, the metrics, even hitters reactions, it would suggest something that maybe if you were just watching him throw in a bullpen, it wouldn't be apparent. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to need more time to just see this as the year unfolds, whether that's a, a correct gut feeling or not. But it, it, it just seems to me like a guy that other teams would, would face him and other fan bases would say, why can't they get to this guy? He's not throwing 97. Why, why, why can't they square him up? And yet, he's getting swings and misses. He's striking out seven, eight guys every single outing. As you put it, every, you know, playoff start, you look up, this guy went six and a third innings, four hits, one run, struck out seven, walked one. Just your old veteran lefty performance that you, <laughs> we've seen so often. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Yeah, I couldn't put my finger on who? It's like, not quite Andy Pettit. But
0: just some, like, wily left-hander. God, you said Jimmy we're Key. so ridiculous. He's made two starts, and we're like, <laughs> hmm, is he more Andy Pettit or Tom Glavin? Or wh- what do you think? <laughs> this coming from the guy who said, well, we're not going to overreact after one start. <laughs> All right, whatever. All right. Question three. We're idiots.
1: I don't know what's going to happen with the lineup. I don't know how long Ahmed Rosario is going to hit second. But I wonder if that happens at some point. If instead of sticking Andre Jimenez up there or just moving up Jose Ramirez and everybody else, I have a weird feeling it's going to be Miles Straw. I don't know if it would go Straw Quan or Quan Straw, but would you accept that? Would you prefer a Quan Straw combination atop to the lineup instead of a Quan
0: Rosario combination? Yes and no. Yes oh. and no. Here's why I say that. Yes for the short term, because Straw's been better than Rosario. Against lefties, by the way, I'm okay with, with Rosario hitting second, Me too. actually. Um, in fact, I maybe I encourage that. When he, here's the thing that makes Rosario so tough. When he is on fire, like he's prone to doing, he, he might be close. It's, we just flipped the calendar to May, so who knows what might happen. He makes elements of this offense so much more dynamic and dangerous. And even more so, I think, hitting out of the two spot when there's just chaos. He is a chaos player. And sometimes it's a chaos in your favor. The other team's scrambling with all the infield hits and stolen bases and first to thirds and first to homes and all these things that he can create. But he's also chaos when he's not hitting well and the guy's on first base and he just hit into another double play because that's the nature of the way that he hits. He hits a lot of ground balls. For now, I would be okay with that against right-handed pitching, but I don't think that's a long-term thing.
1: Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I I think they're waiting for him, like you said. I think, I mean, we've seen him get hot. But, I mean, let him start, when he gets hot, let him get hot from the seven hole. And then eventually you can move him back up if he's back to his normal self. Even when he's at his normal self, I, he still probably is not the best option for the number two spot. I, I, mm. I don't know why you can't just bump everybody else up. I mean, it doesn't ha- you don't have to keep Jose in the three hole. You don't have to keep Bell in the four. like even if Jimenez isn't quite where you want him to be, if there's not really an obvious answer, just bump everybody else up. You know what the Red Sox did on Sunday? They just they moved Yoshida down with a lefty on the mound. They didn't feel they didn't put someone else in the two spot. They didn't put Mike Freeman exactly in the lineup where the person Mike Freeman was replacing was hitting like we saw so many times in 2019. They just bumped everybody up. Justin Turner hit second. What do you know? It's amazing. So I, I don't know. The lineup's weird. Straw's off to a good start. I, I think the way they want to play, you do want someone like Rosario. Like the the running is is key here. You just it seems like every time Quan gets a, gets on base to start a game, he's erased. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I wonder what would change. I mean, Straw's been playing really well. And I also think he's so much better at working counts and seeing a lot of pitches and make I mean he's done yeah, he no, a lot over the weekend. I, Rosario gets I up there hacking, swings and fouls two pitches off that are out of the zone and then watches a third strike go down <laughs> the middle.
0: But that's the chaos I'm speaking to. Sometimes I actually kinda want a guy that just does some weird ambush shit <laughs> and flusters a pitcher or keeps you on your toes, and that works when he's got his third multi-hit game in the last four games and is doing all of those positive things. But the the bad is, is awful, and getting that out of the two spot, I I don't feel great about that. Now I don't like Straw hitting in the second spot either. I I would None rather of this is ideal. If 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 you are gonna do that, I would rather Straw hit first and take advantage of the on base percentage because you're not going to get i guess you're not going to get any power from from Quan either but maybe maybe more of a chance of a double hitting in the two spot. And then you know is Tito going to want to move Kwan around. The reason why I would say I'm in favor of it because that feels like a short-term thing. It wouldn't be a we've got to commit to this for the rest of the year. And mm-hmm. pulling the band-aid off of getting Rosario out of the two spot would th- that that would be all right. Then that would open up just Then we can make some other changes, and I don't know, go crazy. Carlos Santana hit leadoff for this team, so Josh Bell can hit second. Imagine put putting Mm. Bell in between Quan and Ramirez, and now you've got two switch hitters there, and then Naylor after him. Would you just rather go Ramirez
1: two, Bell three?
0: I don't. They're they're like scared of Ramirez hitting second. I'm just, I'm I'm just trying to think of other things. Hmm. will Mabry's Valoria hit at all let's shake things up put Josh Bell in the two spot All right, you ready for question number four then Naylor and we're on four now okay
1: Sam Hentges' return is imminent without even seeing him pitch yet this year where does the big lefty rank (laughs) in your reliever circle of trust
0: Put him up there first. He hasn't blown any saves yet this year. He's looked great. Do you remember strikeouts? Yeah. Those were fun. Do you remember? Do you remember strikeouts? you remember when say used to occasionally strike somebody out? His stuff numbers, tangent, have actually still been good, despite the lack of velocity. And he just remains a fascinating case study in what the hell is happening with him. I would say... Just because we he hasn't thrown a major league pitch yet, I don't think you can put him above the other three. But he's he could very easily get into that territory. Who I mean, Klasse Stefan and whom? You you still don't put Karinchek above him based on the fact that you just throw henches into big situations despite working his way slowly into the season? What more does Eli Morgan have to do to break into that mix? Mm. Eli, I'm not sure what to make of his season because the the surface numbers look good, and there are times where I I really think some some of the adjustments he's made to his arsenal have been real nice. But I don't know that I am like. I mean, certainly right now he's the he's in the top four. Hench is lefty. I don't know. I'm just, just anxious gonna, for him to be back. You're going to answer the question? I did, and you yelled at me and told me I was wrong, and then now I'm rethinking it. All right, so fourth? Fourth, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd probably go third.
0: And it wouldn't take long for him to move up to maybe even second. I mean, Trevor Steffen's not been the same Steffen as last year yet. I don't know if any of them have just really been. Oh, you got to trust that guy. Not yet. Not consistently. Does it matter?
1: I feel like at times Dale Lo Santos looks like a guy who deserves higher leverage. Morgan's done everything they've asked of him. Sandlin's been rough. It's not a lot of analysis yeah, here. Sandlin's I just it, it's rough. it's always fluid <laughs> with the bullpen. I think That's, yeah. It's easy to look at what happened the last 4 months of last season and just assume that's the standard and they have enough depth where if one guy's not going well they can cover for it but it's just been weird and they play so many close games that someone gives something up and you it's natural to just be frustrated with that when if that happened in a five to two game instead of a five to four game you wouldn't think anything of it and that guy wouldn't fall in your trust rankings it's been a weird start.
0: Morgan will be, as we watched more of this season, seeing how much more he trusts the slider that has been introduced, a lot more uh, mm-hmm. to this point this year, and that makes him more of a lethal bullpen weapon in my mind. So he's not just fastball changeup, but another pitch moving horizontally. That, that could change. I, I just think where, I know it's a question, and it's whatever. But where Henches ranks among these, it's going to change based on a few outings. I, I think you you let this thing just evolve into whatever it, it ends up becoming. It is, didn't that do that last year? Hasn't it done that every year since baseball's e- existed? Bullpens just evolve? I just want another one, another talented arm, because we've seen this team run into some issues where they're putting somebody in a situation... Whether it's Heron or somebody else in a spot where they sh- they shouldn't be. And I would I would rather have Henches in that spot or Eli Morgan in that spot. Yeah. And, the, the and overall, I, the overall. Let hair. me say this. Yeah. I'm
1: looking forward to seeing Tim Heron in like two or three months. Just to see what he looks like the second time. No more surprises, no more firsts, no more and and with Henches back. No more. Uh, we have no one else to turn to. Here, kid, good luck in a one-run game in the eighth inning. Um, he's got great stuff. So I th- I think the bullpen will be fine. Class A is very, very odd. You're right. It's and, and the thing that makes him so difficult to evaluate when he's not perfect is that he's susceptible. He's always been susceptible to just weird, fluky contact. We've said it so many times on this podcast where the formula for scratching across a run against him is little infield chopper that you beat into the ground and beat out for an infield single then maybe a stolen base and then an error and then a little jam job that bloops over Ahmed Rosario's head for a rbi single like that's that's how they do it and i feel like we've seen more of that this year they wanted him and it's a work in progress when I was asking everybody just how does he improve, the thing that they said they were working on him with was just throwing more cutters up in the zone. And if he's throwing 98, 99 up in the zone, maybe you eliminate some of that weak contact and you just get more swing and miss. It's really hard to catch up to that. Because he's so good low in the zone, and he's, I mean, he has so many called strikes, and then you drop the slider down below that cutter low in the zone, and that's when the slider is really, really lethal. But they figured if you can throw some cutters up, get guys to swing and miss at that, and even even if you make contact like you're popping that up to the catcher. And so we haven't seen him do that a lot yet, and you know he just hasn't and he's also working with the pitch clock and we you noted he had one of the slower tempos in baseball um, in the past. So I think there's just a lot going on. I, I still think he's going to get back pretty close to normal at some point and he'll be fine but it's just you're right he's he's tricky to assess when it's not perfect and it's so noticeable and glaring when it's not perfect because he
0: usually is and his level of not being perfect is giving up a few more seeing-eye singles R- very rarely is it uh, he comes in and double triple home run double he's It's very rare that somebody's just touching him up that way. It's it's just too much contact when you could have used a strikeout. This goes back a couple of years ago when they first introduced the extra inning rule, and you asked Tito about it. Is Karinchek the perfect guy to handle those extra inning scenarios because of all the strikeouts? Class A, he may be less ideal than some because he does allow a lot of contact. And so in some cases, it's just... One flick of the wrist, and the game's tied, and and you get a blown save, and you didn't—he didn't deserve a blown save on Saturday. That, not like he was awful, but that's all it takes in extra innings, and if you're not missing a ton of bats, you 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 wonder about it. It's not a panic-inducing thing, but it's still a wonder. All right, question
1: five, last one. This trip has the Guardians going to Fenway Park. Then Yankee Stadium, in about two months, they'll head to Wrigley Field. Obviously, the Yankee Stadium is not the original Yankee Stadium, but those three ballparks, yay or nay? How do you feel about the old traditional standards? And if it's yay,
0: or even if it's nay, rank them. To what degree? I mean... Are we just saying from a baseball fandom standpoint? Take any... Do you want me to go first?
1: Sure. Okay. Wrigley third. I think Yankee Stadium second, Fenway first. So first of all, I, I... I like the uniqueness... I know Fenway Park is wonky. We saw it plenty. I thought one of the best, smartest plays of the season so far. And it is a little thing that ended up meaning nothing in the grand scheme. But the way Miles Straw played that ball that hit off the center field wall and like pretended he was camping under a lazy fly ball just to deke the runner to keep him at third and not score, brilliant. And, like, things like that that you can do, the way you can play the ball off the monster, like, some of it's stupid and it feels like very gimmicky. Um, But as long as, like, every ballpark isn't like that, I'm fine with it. And I think what they've done in Boston is preserve history and also modernize it in ways that Wrigley Field is not. Um, You know, Yankee Stadium is just very different now because everything is elite and. Overpriced and whatever, but Fenway Park like you walk or do a lap around that ballpark and you see so much history and so much cool stuff, mm-hmm. and yet it's not like it's not inconvenient if that makes sense. And obviously, I'm also coming at it from a working standpoint, mm-hmm. Wrigley's terrible, um, and the other two are pretty good to work in, but and it, like Yankee City, I, I need to do a better job, like I've never been to Monument Park, I actually literally before I asked this question, I just put a note in my phone that says I need to make an effort to <laughs> visit more of the ballpark this week. But um, I like the old standards. And I know I'm shitting on Wrigley, but I, there are aspects of Wrigley that are really cool too. Like I'm excited for the first game of that series. It's a Friday and it's a day game. And it's really inconvenient to those of us who have to fly out that morning and go straight to the ballpark. But there's something cool about that. I remember being a kid and coming home from school, and the Cubs are on TV, and it's like they're playing a day game on a Wednesday, and I'm sitting there. That was fantastic. My last period in algebra, and I'm like, ah, I can't wait to get home to watch
0: Mark Kevin Grace Tappany pitch Sosa. for the Cubs
1: <laughs> and Henry Rodriguez or Glenn Allen Hill hit home run. Um, so there's a mystique there. But I, the main point in me asking this is, like my standpoint, I, my answer is yay to all three in the end because there is a mystique. There's an aura about it and I think that's mm. it's that kind of thing that feels special that makes baseball special. Um when you think about the history and and all of that. And and while I love new ballparks and um you know, some of them are great, some of them aren't. Some of them suck. And I like when I go to a city and the ballpark has personality.
0: Yeah. Trying to think of ballparks that it just could not stand. Uh, i Oakland, Guaranteed that one's Rate easy.
1: Field, Globe Life, whatever it is.
0: Zero personality. I'm, still, I'm I'm still shy. I I liked the old ballpark in in Arlington. Going there, I remember. I think were you there the last year of it? It might have been the second to last. I, I just remember going in there and thinking like. It's this, this cool. It's fine. What, what, are we, yeah. what are we doing here? And I thought the inside of that had some personality too. And maybe it's just the because new place we watched bland. some big. That, that's what I think. Yeah. We, that, that ballpark, the old ballpark in Texas, oh, old ballpark in Texas had some good playoff moments in it. Maybe not if you're a Rangers fan, but it had some, some cool moments in that ballpark. So I, I liked that park. And it's kind of sad to see it go. I'm uh, not a fan of the Miami ballpark. Walking into that one just does not feel like you're walking into a a baseball stadium. Now I, I get it; it's hot there, and you got to keep people cool, and you're trying to get people to the game. I, I understand all of that, but I was just not went there for the All Star Game. It was not that great. I was not a big fan. Uh, I I love the Twins Park. That's a fun one to walk into. But to get back to your question, Fenway is absolutely. It still has that mystique. It's a cathedral. No doubt about it. And Wrigley, not quite on the level of Boston, but going there and being there for the World Series, my God, was that awesome. And when you go there for the first time and you see the ivy on the wall and you're just were walking around thinking about all of the people that have come through and stood exactly where you are, it still has that mystique, just not as much. And as you mentioned, working there is not fun at all. So that leaves just a little bit of a sour taste, I think. But I still, I still greatly enjoyed uh, working that that World Series, being there at Wrigley, just some great stories and great memories. The new Yankee Stadium, I am not a fan at all, <laughs> not at all. And normally, maybe I wonder if we're gonna piss off some Yankee fans by saying these sorts of things on the show. But I don't know. Do, do Yankee fans also agree that the new park just does not hold the same oomph that the the older one did? Some of it may be because of pricing tiers and who gets to sit close and who doesn't anymore. And maybe just some because the game has changed over the past 20, 30 years. I don't know. It 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 seems like... fake and plasticky. <laughs> it's like tr- trying to replicate the greatness of their old ballpark and the other great ballparks. But it just doesn't... It's It's kind of like... It's like eating fake hamburger. It's like eh, it might be okay. It's not quite a real hamburger. Is that a terrible analogy? I don't know. Well, yeah. What are you eating instead? I don't know. A tofu burger.
1: <sighs> uh, yeah. It's just a representation. I mean, I'm with you. It's there are still cool elements, like
0: when the bleacher creatures are doing their oh, roll yeah. call. That's great. But and that's that's the, that's the fans more than the ballpark. That's a credit to the fans that are there.
1: Yeah. Like I you mean, can do that as, anywhere. You as, can do that
0: at a, somebody's backyard. I mean, it'd still be cool. As stupid as the short porches, it's still an element
1: that's at Yankee Stadium and nowhere else. And I like little... I don't want things to be too gimmicky. I don't want it to be like... You know, you're playing in, in in your neighborhood, and oh, if you happen to hit it onto Mr. Jones's roof, then you get that's a triple. Mm. Not nothing like that. Like we don't like. Saint, I'm Saint not a fan Beats. of the catwalks in Tampa, for instance. Yeah, um, or the ridiculous amount of foul territory and possums in Oakland. But <laughs> there are elements that are just cool and they're special and.
0: Yeah, and basically I'm just bringing this up to say I get Yankees breast dining this week. Okay. Well, that wasn't factored in. We didn't talk about that being part of the equation here, so fairness to you. Thanks for listening to the show, by the way. This show brought to you in part by... You want to just handle all of the... SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek. Get $20 off.
1: 20%
0: Uh, dull hairs? It's a lot of doll hairs. Yes, $20 off your first purchase by using the code SELBY. Download the SeatGeek app. We're into the season. I know people are looking for tickets, looking for great opportunities to get out, whether it's in Cleveland or other places, other events. Use that code SELBY, S-E-L-B-Y, and get yourself $20 off your first ticket purchase. Zach has done it. I know. It worked out okay, so we can confirm that it does indeed work. Thank you for listening. Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. Click the the like down there, the subscribe button. We do appreciate that. And, of course, we will be back later this week over at Patreon. What will the tenor of that show be? By the cold Tuesday. I can't wait for that one. Have you already seen enough of Bybee to declare he's what on the same level? Better than? Maybe slightly. The irony than? is that
1: it's Gavin Williams who has the exact same delivery as yeah. Hmm...